Hey everybody, Nick Espinosa, your chief security fanatic here. And in social media news, we've got to talk about social media, particularly Facebook, but the others as well, because social media is essentially corrupting our culture. Now, this is coming, the inspiration for this is coming from Tanya Mosley of NPR. In full disclosure, I do have a nationally syndicated radio show on NPR affiliates, at public radio, etc. But uh, this is actually coming from an article that she talked about how society is basically being flattened. Our culture is being flattened as a result of social media. And so I'm cribbing from her, but... We're going to go off because I did my homework, and interestingly enough, I've been doing my homework for quite some time on this one, and I've got some interesting results of testing that I've actually been doing, so stick around for that as well. Now, here's what's going on. Now, originally, if you were thinking about this, uh, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, would show you posts from friends and family essentially in chronological order, but now, uh, you know, because it's been around for, you know, a decade plus, we are basically being just hit with an absolute ton of content that is being curated by their algorithms. Now, are you, for example, into plants or sports or cats or politics? That's what you're going to see. You're not breaking out of that mold, and that's the problem here. So New Yorker writer and author of the new book Filter World, Kyle Chekia, Cheka, Cheka, I apologize, Kyle, if you're ever watching this, uh, in the interview with Tanya basically said this, and I quote, there are equations <clears throat> that measure what you're doing, surveil the data of all the users on these platforms, and then try to predict what each person is most likely to engage with. So rather than having this neat ordered feed, you have this feed that is constantly trying to guess what you're going to click on, what you're going to read, and what you're going to watch or listen to, end quote. Now, Cheka, basically in his book, examined the algorithmic recommendations that dictate everything from music, news, movies, all of the things that we consume, including the foods we eat, the places we go, stuff like that. Now, he's arguing that all of this basically machine AI guided curation has made us docile consumers and flattened our likes and tastes. Quote, for us consumers, they are making us more passive just by feeding us so much stuff, by constantly recommending things that we are unlikely to click away from that we're going to tolerate but not find too surprising or challenging, end quote. Now, on top of this, uh, Cheka says that the algorithms are pressuring artists and other content creators to shape their work in ways that fit the feed in order to basically get more views, get more likes, get more clicks, et cetera, et cetera. And so the example that he gives is the perfect synopsis for this issue. For musicians working through Spotify or TikTok, this might mean recording catchy hooks that occur right at the beginning of a song when a user is most likely to hear it. In other words, now as you are creating something and you're attempting to generate money as a result of it, you're focusing on what works as opposed to what you want to express. And I think that is one of the big problems that, that we are now seeing as a result of this just constant bombardment of advertisement. Now, from the interview that was posted on NPR with Cheka, there are two points, like real points that stand out. And he had many good points for the record in this interview. I highly recommend you go listen to it. It's, it's on Fresh Air, or you can read the article uh, by Tanya Mosley. But he basically answered um, a, a, on this point uh, on, on how algorithms impact journalism. And I think this is an important one. And I quote directly, <clears throat> algorithmic feeds, I think, took on the responsibility that a lot of news publications once had. In decades past, we would see the news stories that we consumed on a daily basis from the New York Times front page on the print paper or as on the New York Times homepage on the Internet. Now, 
Instead of the publication choosing which stories are most important, which things you should see right away, the Twitter or X algorithmic feed, for example, is sorting out what kinds of stories you're consuming and what narratives are being built up. We now have TikTok talking heads and explainers rather than news anchors on cable TV. So the responsibility for choosing what's important, I think, has been ported over to algorithmic recommendations rather than human editors and producers. And he is completely correct on that point. And the reason being is, and I see this all the time, especially like there's been an explosion of these, at least in my experience with now the conflict that's going on between uh, Israel and Hamas or Gaza. You know, I, I'm not adjudicating that. But the point is, is now I'm seeing a ton of videos posted of people like just basically breaking down the conflict. The problem is there's no vetting. They're not experts. They've got opinions. And I think this is a super, super important thing. I know that when I write articles, whether it's for Forbes or Smirconish.com or other publications, I have to get through an editor. I have to prove what I'm saying. If I have an opinion, I have to back it up with actual evidence. And I cannot just fabricate this or go off on a tangent unless I'm explicitly saying I have no evidence for this, but this is my hunch. And I'm very clear on those points. But people speak in hyperbole or people speak that as if their logic or their opinion on something is a conclusion or a fact. And so that vetting process is gone. And if it's curating essentially the narrative for you, then you're never going to get out of the bubble, whether you're on the right or the left of politics, for example, if it keeps seeing, oh, you keep reading news from like right wing sources or news from left wing sources, it's going to keep feeding you that. So how do you see the other side? How do you see that perspective? Every morning I wake up and I read news and I specifically make sure to read news from both sides of the political spectrum because I want to understand what's going on, not just in the United States, but in the world. And I think that's something that is missed by a lot of people. Now, finally, he also spoke on this point on how passive consumption affects how deeply we think about culture. And I think this is the death knell and the longitudinal issue that we have here that I think is driving a lot of this. Quote, I think passive consumption certainly has its role. We are not always actively consuming culture and thinking deeply about the genius of a painting or a symphony. It's not something we do all the time. But I worry about this passivity of consumption that we are pushed into. The ways we are, uh, the ways we're encouraged not to think about culture we're consuming, not to go deeper, and not to follow our own inclinations. And I suppose that when I really think about it, the kind of horror that's at the end of this, at least for me, is that we'll never have the Fellini film that's so challenging you think about it for the rest of your life. Or see a painting that's so strange and discomforting, it really sticks with you. Like, I don't want to leave those masterpieces of art behind just because people don't immediately engage people. And I think that is, or because they don't immediately engage people. I think he's 100% right on that point. Now think about it this way. If we are not being challenged, how are we being challenged in other things? In other words, if I can't get out of my comfort zone to see a film or hear an opinion that makes me uncomfortable or whatever it is, I am more prone to close myself off to those things. I am more prone to, let's say, less engage in, let's say, a dialogue. And so if somebody, let's say, on the political spectrum that's opposite of me or, you know, whatever, has an opinion, I'm more prone to say, well, you're just 
completely wrong. I'm going to ignore you. I don't want to hear your opinion. I'm going to stay with the facts. This is the confirmation bias bubble, and he is 100% right in how algorithms are actually enforcing that we are staying in that confirmation bias, that, that bubble that we are creating, and we're having a very hard time breaking out because our news is being ingested by algorithms that continue to feed us things that we will linger on so they can make money. That's a huge problem. Now, the other side of the coin here, and this is outside of the NPR article, and thank you, Tanya Mosley, for letting me paraphrase you or quote you, as well as uh, as Kyle Chakia, because I think, I think I'm going to go read his book now. But the other side of this coin here, outside of that article, is that how, essentially, Facebook has shifted from being an actual social networking or social media site into, essentially... An entertainment site and I think that's the detriment of us all so I did my homework uh, and I decided to basically get into Facebook and do this experiment now I wanted to see how many posts I saw for ads or pointless videos or Facebook groups you know that are simply entertainment where you argue or you know you're checking out whatever it is you're into news articles that really aren't news articles they're sponsored content because they're all doing that now until I saw one of two things. How many of those pointless things am I going to see? Advertisements, videos, blah, blah, blah. Until I see either a post from an actual human friend on Facebook, quote unquote, or a post about a legitimate news article for a, new, a legitimate news article. And by legitimate, for the record, I'm not, ta I mean, obviously one, not sponsored content by a news source, but also not pointless entertainment news like what Kim Kardashian is up to. I don't care about any of that. I'm talking about actual news, major events happening around the world or in the United States, uh, basically politics, what's going on, let's say with the primary, all those kinds of things, even the weather is it as it's legitimate news because we get a lot of snow here in Chicago. The results were basically disappointing if you're thinking about it from a human standpoint. So as I was scrolling, I went through 16 ads, pointless videos, sponsored content until I saw one legitimate news article. And then I went scrolling again after that news article and it took 122 different things of pointless stuff, news articles, videos, all that crap until I saw a post from one friend. Another 29 scrolls and I got more news. And then one scroll to another news article and then 36 scrolls to other news and then 40 to see another friend. And so if you're looking at that, you are looking at basically every 100 plus scrolls, I'm seeing a friend post. If this is social media, if this is social networking, it's not connecting us anymore. And so I may see the random one, or maybe I've got a friend that likes to argue with me on Facebook, so maybe he or she is gonna see my posts more and therefore be engaged because they're angry. You know, let's say it's politics, whatever it is. But that's insane. Facebook is no longer connecting or informing us. It's literally just there for ads and entertainment. And, and, and that's absolutely pointless. So why are we even on this platform anymore? They're data mining us. They're basically feeding algorithms. And now Zuckerberg is trying to work on human-like AI intelligence. Do we really want this guy to have that? He's a robot. So I'll leave it with you for that, but I think this is absolutely crazy, and that's where we are in society. And, and it's not just Facebook, it's all of them, but it is literally corrupting culture. We are not connected. If anything, we are farther apart as a result of social media and lack of direct face-to-face -face interaction. And I think that's a, to a detriment of us all.
And please like, share, follow me here on Facebook and Twitter at Nick AESP, where hopefully you will see me and I'm not sponsored content usually, unless I'm ragging on Facebook, in which case I usually do. So I might actually sponsor this one. I'm not sure. And as always, stay safe, stay online, and please attempt to stay private. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Jeez.